Welcome to Erotic Awakening, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. Now, okay, I know it's not my normal podcast week, and normally I'm here for my monthly show on the third Monday of each month, give or take the scheduling adventures, but... This is one of those scheduling adventures, and don't worry, in a few weeks I'll be back with my normal podcast, with the subject being dominance and submission, and specifically the sacred calling of mastering slavery, but I'm here early. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dan and Don, for letting me come back early, because an opportunity has arisen. I, I, I just couldn't say no to it, you know what I mean? This week I'm supposed to be in New Zealand, but I'm not. There was an event that was supposed to happen called Southern Exposure, but for people who watched the news and saw, there were some big earthquakes in New Zealand a little while ago, and unfortunately the hotel had to cancel the contract for the conference because it just wasn't a safe option. I had booked my flights in and out of the United States out of San Francisco, with the logic being I could fly in and out of San Francisco and have a layover for one day each way, and it would be fantastic. And instead I found myself with an eight-day layover here in San Francisco. Now, the beautiful thing about that for you listening at home means that because I'm in San Francisco, I've gotten this opportunity to actually schedule time with, well, how to describe it, the insightful, the delightful, my friend JD. Hi. So, hi. So, JD, uh, for folks who don't know at home, because people might know him from other names and other personas, is uh, JD's a member of the internationally renowned bondage duo, Two Naughty Boys. You're a lot of other things, though. I am many things. <laughs> So you've produced over 300 knot tying videos. Very true. Which is uh, staggeringly large. Like you're yeah. putting one out like almost every single week every at this week, point. Every week, once a week at least. For, uh, once a week, my record right now is I'm once a week consistently for three years. Wow. I was doing it about every other week prior to that, but now I'm doing it once a week. And that's hard for almost anybody to say that they've done anything <laughs> once a week, every week for three years. That's you know? true. That's true. And, but, I, yeah, I yeah. Love it. but I love it. Well, you're also a bit of a rope addict at times. That's true. Because not only have you released the videos, you've also had uh, two different books come out with the Two Naughty Boys. We have. We have uh, Two Naughty Boys, Showing You the Ropes, came out in 2006. And uh, then we had uh, Two Naughty Boys, Back on the Ropes, uh, in 2009. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And uh, apart from that, you're also, you've put out, you know, you've, you've written novels. Have, yeah. You've worked on, you know, you actually did a short story for, or not a short story, excuse me, an essay for Rope Bondage and Power, which was my Rope Bondage Why anthology that came out a couple of years ago. And you just keep teaching and moving and going and doing, which is great. Yeah. No, it's, it's I, I see life as a massive gift and the capacity to uh, explore and create is kind of my purpose. It's, it's really why I'm here. It's yeah. why I do what I do. It's, you know, it's my joy. And for people who are interested in all the rope bondage stuff, they can go find all of that over at twonaughtyboys.com. Yeah. But that's not what we're here for today. No. I love rope. You love rope. I we do. both love rope. We do. We're both rope addicts. <laughs> we are. Right? But sometimes there's more than the addiction. That's right. Sometimes there's the rest of our journey. Mm -hmm. So for you guys listening at home, we're going to have an adventure today. We're going to go op the ropey path and off into the distance wood and see what happens. I mean, we might stumble back onto some rope as we go yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. 
but yeah it's, it's a part of the journey it's not the <laughs> entire journey but it's definitely a part of it exactly but uh yeah people who know me personally um know that i'm uh, i'm a big um i'm a big spiritualist i'm really really um i spent a lot of my time sort of uh evaluating the human condition uh you know questioning my own sort of uh, participation in my life and and um and trying to make sense of what is otherwise uh, can be for some uh, a complex and scary world, you know. Absolutely. Uh, who am I? What am I? How can I manifest uh, my dreams and ambitions? How can I connect with others in the way I would like to? Um, uh, how can I reach that vision of success? And especially as being a sex educator, um, it's uh, you find a lot of people who are struggling with the same type of you know questions absolutely the number of times I've had people come to my class and then come away going I thought I was going to a class on punching and kicking but suddenly I'm debating the nature of existence I'm not sure what to do with that yeah that's, that's the way it goes that's exactly how it goes and that's that's the beauty of it um, but yeah one of the things that comes up uh, a lot uh, is, um, is is a concept that I you know that I that I I, I think about and talk about uh, with friends is, is basically understanding your own participation in the experience that you're having. Mm. Um, I find that uh, people's uh, lack of awareness of their of their own participation uh, in everything that they experience uh, leads to a lot of problems, both in their own uh, identification with um, th their power struggle, like how do I how do I actualize what I want, uh, how do I live the life that I'm seeking, and then also how do I communicate, how do I you know, in, you know, sort of embrace a relationship which is fulfilling, connective, and um, mutually satisfying. Right. Um, the way I put it is, uh, is I effectively tell people, you know, like it's that you're that this is, and this is, might be contrary to a lot of people's sort of fundamental <laughs> beliefs. What I'm about to say, but uh, I always find, you know, I watch a lot of Nova specials, mm -hmm. and uh, and there's a lot of theories of everything. You know, they always have this, you know, God particle that they're looking for, or they try to sort of find the category of all category. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's stuck in a category. When you ask someone what something is, for example, uh, you're really asking what category it is. Uh, is it a rock? Is it a mineral? Is it a vegetable? And we see that all the time in the scene. When oh, you, see, yes. you walk into a munch for the first time, and it's like, so are you a top or a bottom? Hi, my name's Lee. Exactly, and yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's a necessary aspect of life. This isn't to say that categories aren't convenient, only that... Um, there, you know, there's always this ever seeking of the, the category of all categories mm. and, you know, how do we observe ourselves? It's kind of like we're trying to look at the back of our own heads and the more we turn, the farther the back of our head turns. Uh, and this, this sort of lack of connectivity with that, uh, with, 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 with the circumstances of the observation or the experience are, mm -hmm. can lead to frustrations like those types of things. Right. And so I always say when I watch and I read these things or I watch these things, these specials or these books that I read, any sort of description of the universe, any description of, of the world that doesn't include the the individual, is is really lacking. Like I'm not I'm not as moved or motivated uh, by that theory unless there's some kind of recognition of the participation of the person in the observation or the experience that they're having. The example I give is if you wanted to know what an amoeba moved like, right? If you want to know how how it you know how how its mobility worked. Uh, you would first have to find some pond water and then you would place this amoeba on a glass slip and then put a glass slide on it and slide it under a compound microscope and then view through you know an optic lens and and you know adjust its focus your, your focus until mm -hmm. you could see this thing and then you would start to watch it move 
And you might write a paper that says, you know, the mobility of amoebas. But the one thing that's fundamentally flawed about those type of circumstances is that uh, we often fail to recognize the, the microscope. The fact that this is being viewed through a, through, a, through a mechanism which is often not discussed. And so it's not how it moves or how it behaves or how the world is. It's how it moves or behaves underneath the microscope. And to bring it home to what I was talking about earlier, we are that microscope. We are focusing our attention in ways that pinpoint things that we notice because we find them noteworthy. Well, but uh, see, then I would argue that the, the, that makes us the eyes on the other side of the microscope. The microscope itself, though, is the, is the framework with which this thing is being examined. Yes. So there's the difference between, at least for myself, uh -huh. between conscious mind mm -hmm. and the filters I am looking through, the frameworks that I am looking through. The way I would put it is that the observation and the observer are in, arising mutually. Mm. That, that, that separation is where the conflict comes from. Like not recognizing that that you are a part of the observation you're experiencing or you're having. So when I look at you, um, I'm a part of, of this experience of you, hmm. um, that it's not just me over here and you over there. You know, I'm not this uh, ego wrapped in a, a bag of flesh, you know, in a, in a scary, inhospitable world. Uh, I'm a part of this world. I, I sort of grow organically from this world. And... Um, it's understanding the fundamental nature of, of, of the individual um, that can really help to assist you in all sorts of ways, in a myriad of ways. But you, know, you brought up that notion of, of yeah. organically developing your own identity yeah. and organically developing your own sense of self and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. But you brought, but in that, the metaphor that you mentioned earlier, the idea of the, the, you know, the microscope. The microscope there's a piece with the movement of the amoeba that I think gets lost there, especially when we look at sexuality populations, but the amoeba itself, right? Yeah. That we're going to track how an amoeba moves. Yeah. So therefore, we're going to scoop it out of its natural environment, yes, yes, yes. put it on a little piece of glass, yeah. smush it down, and expect that it's going to move in the same ways that it would have moved out in the wild. This seems like a flawed analogy. I mean, not necessarily a flawed analogy. I think it's actually a great analogy. Uh -huh. But I think it's a flawed argument because if we... Uh, if we actually have that, that happen, the amoeba can only actually move in four directions totally. now. It can't move up and down in the ways that it did before. So, to bring it back for people who are like, this has gone way past sexuality, I'm kind of lost. I'll well, offer up an, can, may I offer I'll, up an argument or a concept? Well, it's not, um, what you're doing is you're making my point. Okay. Uh, we're, we're in a total agreement. It's, um, I'll, give it, I'll, I'll bring it home to sensuality. Okay. Okay, so you, um, you have... Uh, you're new to, to, we'll use rope bondage because it's something we both understand and know, but you're new to rope bondage. Mm -hmm. So you want to know, how do I um, perform as a rope bondage um, dominant? Okay. Um, so you read a book or you go to a, a bunch of core courses mm -hmm. and, they, and they tell you, well, it, depending on who you speak to, you might speak to someone who's a Shabari practitioner. And they have a very uh, structured historical concept of who they are and how they express what they do. Right. So you say, okay, the person who taught the class has a kimono on, so I got to get myself a kimono. Right. And then the person who taught the class said that this is a rich history and we must use hemp rope. And that there's only certain ties that you can do and knots are, knots are frowned upon. And this is the way you do it and this is the way you go about it. And so you do this. This is the mechanism by which you, st that you, which you try to understand 
the concept. This right. is your microscope. This exactly. is the way you, you will go about your business. And then you in, in, interact with someone as if somehow there's going to be this magical conclusion to this series of actions. Like that if I believe in this, then I'll have this physical experience. But you feel separated. You feel awkward. Uh, you constantly compare yourself to the instructor's behavior and you say, I'm not living up to their standards. Um, you feel inauthentic. And it's not recognizing that your mechanistic way of going about this is in itself a part of the experience you're having. Right. So it's not that you're doing something wrong so much as you're not being authentic to your own nature or the person potentially who you're with. Now you might find someone who really connects with that particular method and you might find yourself really connected to that method. And if that's the case, go forward. But in those cases where it's not connecting, you may want to step back and say, what am I doing? How am I influencing this experience? And that would be, like you just pointed out very astutely, that would be uh, you're not seeing things for what they truly are because you right. only see the left to right. You're not recognizing that you know this microscope isn't working for a true observation, a true experience of the way this works, um, be it sensual or otherwise. And so that's that's really what that's what that analogy is more pointing out rather than trying to you know actually teach you a thing or two about amoebas. Right, no, and, and but what I think is really valuable because there are some people who you know might be listening who this is a new concept for. Mm to actually flat out say that what about the possibility that if it, something isn't working for you and left, right, up, down isn't working, what about the depth? Mm -hmm. What about the notion of working outside of that slide and looking at what happens if you actually examine your sexuality in its natural environment yeah. rather than the framework of what your professor taught you or what, you, know, what yes. you read in a book once or things like that. What happens if we actually look at our own true sexual authentic nature yeah. as individuals? And what if we accept it? Mm. What, if, what if we simply sit with ourselves and say everything I am right now is okay. Everything I am right now is absolute perfection. That there isn't something to strive for. There isn't, there isn't a better me. The way I phrased it in a few, um, through books that I've written, some, some novels that I've written, is uh, the concept that we have, we meet people and they have the person that they are mm -hmm. and the person that they believe themselves to be or they should be. Mm. So there's the, there's, the, there's the person I am and then there's the, the better me. So you'll say, oh, I fucked up or oh, I shouldn't have done that. As if there was another you that could outdo it. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> there's a rehearsal. This is yeah. a rehearsal right now. I'm making notes yeah. for the screenplay like, for when like, go forward. Like, yeah. who could out Lee Harrington you? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's only one Lee Harrington. Right. You, there's no better Lee Harrington out there. There's no perfect Lee There's no. There's no Lee Harrington to strive to, to. There's only one Lee Harrington, and everything Lee Harrington does is absolute perfection. Everything. Because there's only one of you. Right. In, in this particular manifestation. And so when you start to create that duality dance, you, that's where the frustration lies. And mm. so you create these models, and these models start to muck up what's truly going on. And so accepting yourself, starting to recognize yourself, and giving yourself permission to be who you are is not something I would, I would necessarily, unless the book is encouraging you to do this, I, I often tell people, you know, let go of doctrines. Let go of other ways necessarily, unless they really authentically speak to you. But start with your own voice. Start with asking yourself, who are you? What do you want? And, you know, a lot of times when I'm teaching someone, I'll hear all this busyness about, you know, I, say, you know, I, I always use a microscope analogy, but I say, it sounds like you don't know how to, you're fuddling with this microscope and you're just making a mess of the thing. Why don't you just go fucking swim in a pond? Why don't you just get out there and just 
And that find out what you discover. You know what? That sounds really <laughs> easy, but for yeah. some folks, that notion oh, yeah. of yeah. leaving the slide and going out in the pond, <laughs> yeah. that's there's there's the possibility of the unknown. Well, it's always unknown. Yeah. The thing is, and this is something I've said to people too, is is that you have absolute permission to make matters worse. <laughs> You, you have absolute permission to live in a live in a constant state of anxiety. You, if you want to be a quaking mess, shivering and scared and detached from your experience, you go right ahead. I, I have no problem with that. There are means to calm the mind. Yeah. There are means to come to a sense of awareness of yourself, and with that sense of awareness, a, a, a sense of love and compassion for yourself. And there is a gift you've been provided. You ha you're, a you know, you're an advanced cerebral cortex, that you have the concept of self and a consciousness that can explore and question. It's your gift. You can spend that gift uh, riddled with anxiety and question. You can spend that gift you know, playing video games, smoking dope. You can do whatever you want, it's your gift. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that this is, a, this is a possible vehicle to have a different type of experience. And if that if that calls to someone, then, then 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 they tend to continue in that way. And if not, then 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 they don't have to. But but it's 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 just a choice. It's now, just a choice. You mentioned there's a number of different tools there. There what are, are some yeah. of the different ones that you've done to figure out your sexual you know your sexual and, and personal identity, yeah. or beyond identity, I should say, beyond, just experience. The the it branches off it branches off to letting go to to doctrines. Mm -hmm. With a doctrine, there becomes a preconstructed way. And what, what, what that leads to is the following statement. I always say that perfection is a form of suffering. When you, I, I, uh, you know, idealize a certain behavior um, or you create a, a paradigm that, uh, that you need to strive for, mm -hmm. um, what you're not doing is you're simply not being present to whatever's taking place before you. You're right. in your head. You're conceptualizing rather than experiencing. You, you, I, it's been called by Alan Watts. He says you're, you're, you're eating the menu instead of the meal. You, you know the you know the map, but not the territory. Um, you know it's uh, it's effectively taking the symbol, and and failing to recognize that it's not the word water, for example, that quenches your thirst. It's it's the actual water that quenches your thirst. And so, f letting go to some prescribed notion, letting go of perfection, going with the flow of the interaction. So you start off and you may, for example, engage with your partner. Initially, you just feel fired up. And so you grab your partner aggressively and your partner sort of resists. Mm -hmm. And so in my case, what I would do is soften and then maybe vocalize that I feel, I feel ratty, you know, Randy and I want to, I want to, I want to force fuck you. Yeah. You know, I want to do something yeah, aggressive. Um, if that's received positively, you go with it. Um, if it's not, then you listen. But here's the catch. You try not to wrong yourself. And I say try because you have to come to a place where you have to, if you're going to be in the moment, you have to be able to accept the moment. And there's a lot of, for example, in our scene, in the kinky scene, yeah. familiar with that? Yeah. Um, you have safe words. And in many cases, this type of communication, this ability to say, you red, yellow, green, where green is, everything's A-OK. -okay. Right. Often forgotten, but it's very necessary. Oh, Keep yeah. moving forward. Absolutely. I'm good. People are... You know, we've got egos, even though they are symbols of ourselves. Well, I'm a big believer that if, you, we if all we hear is red, yeah. then I find a number of tops who start dreading hearing from their partners at all. 
Because all well, they ever hear is the bad words. That's what I'm going to lead to. Is, yeah. is, and it also read as it can lead to top drop, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in different ways. Right. Top drop because you just feel like a failure. And then top drop in the sense that you just don't know where you're going for this. But that is where it really comes down to. So you got your red where everything stops, no questions asked. You got your yellow, let's check in. You got your green, which is A-OK. Everyone often, or I shouldn't say a lot of people often, will tell you those things and say you have to allow your partner to check in. You have to also give yourself permission to hear what they're saying mm-hmm. and not wrong yourself for what they say. And so be okay with letting go, with stopping. If you wanted to go for aggressive exchange, but that's simply not the nature of the, of the moment, you have to let go and move to another place. Because I'll be honest with you, more often is the case that if you start subtly different, it will move back to the place you wanted to be. Mm. Because it's about communication, it's about trust, it's about two people dancing. And uh, one song might be Careless Whisper, but you know, you can pick up the pace after a little while, you know, it's just, you can start off with a little bit of something soft and then move into something a little more aggressive. I don't know, I think sometimes this, this language, this obsession around the notion of safe words, I think it's a 201 level skill, if not a 301 level skill. I would love to see you know, whether it's the kink community, the swinger populations, you know, folks in, in general, people who are exploring their sexuality in a conscious yeah. way, yeah. right? Whatever the labels we're using for these various communities and groups are. Yeah. I would love to see us actually use our words and use our actual communication skills oh. beyond the code languages. I do it. I do it all the time. But I mean, a lot of people where it's like reliant, where people are reliant upon safe words around code words or yeah. symbols instead of saying, oh, that's... That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to hear those and, kinds of words on a more regular basis. And that is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, and this is going to, I'm, I'm going to say this, and you know this. You know this. It's just jogging, jogging your memory. Because you and I are on the same page. Because I'm like you. <laughs> so we win, everyone out there in podcast land. Lee and JD are like each other. So, oh. so we're an in-group. And uh, But there are others... <laughs> there are others in the community who want to play with the nose right. and they want to play with the stops and they want to they want to work through and play with rape fantasies Absolutely. they want to be able to say stop without you stopping and, exactly and that's yeah. and that's why I say it's a 201 301 yeah, level yeah, yeah. skill yeah. I'm not saying don't use it it's a great yeah. tool of course and of course. I use safe yeah, yeah. words in my bat belt on, a, on an yeah. irregular basis yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm also a big fan of not having that be the only toy I pull out I agree and I think it's healthy because it's at the same time you're giving yourself permission to be okay with that dynamic because it's mm. very sensitive. Yeah. You're working with sensuality and sexuality, and this is a, this is a tender tender place for people. Yeah. And so being able to hear someone say stop or ease up or loosen this, and and breathing with it and and, and working through it, there's your edge as a top. Right. You know, we always say that we're pushing the edges of the bottoms. We're trying <laughs> to find out how far can I push it. Well, you know, there's a sensitive uh, you know guy or girl who's uh, orchestrating this, a service you know, top, if you will, yeah. who also wants to know that they're pleasing, also wants to know that this is connecting, hopefully. Right. As opposed to someone who's playing on someone as opposed to playing with them. If you're playing with them, you care. If you're playing on them, you know, frankly, you shouldn't be playing. But, uh, but, but my point being is that uh, it can be helpful, it can be therapeutic, at the same time it can be sensual and very turn-on. Turn yes. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's a fun thing to do. It's what I do. I just tell people, it often throws people off a lot when I say, you know, uh, you can say uh, milkshake if that makes you feel comfortable as far as an extreme thing, but if you say it's too tight, then I'm going to loosen it. If you say um, it's uh, too loose, I'll tighten it. It's kind of like the old Zen koan. It says, you know, 
when you're when you're tired sleep when you're hungry eat that's it that's the key to happiness that's the key to it all <laughs> people go what's the secret to zen you know when you're tired sleep and when you're hungry eat <laughs> it really is that authentically simple we make it more complex yes. we try to you know it's got to be really integral and you know <laughs> i got to stay outside of this monastery for a week and beg to get in and then the, the then the main monk says no we have nothing to teach here we're just simple people we're running low on rice we cannot feed you and then the sun goes down and then the next day you put your head on the table on the front of the you know the door and say please you must let me in you must let it's like this big and the thing is too and this is something that a lot of people don't recognize is that if you define yourself as a student if you're if you're if you define yourself as someone who doesn't know who's struggling and the person who realizes that really it's all just about relaxing it's all mm -hmm. about accepting it's all about going with the flow it's all about eating when you're hungry it's all about sleeping when you're tired but if they're going to insist that they're <laughs> A quaking mess <laughs> then you go all right fine all right fine and you bring them in and you start to effectively and then especially there's a game that is played yes it's like and now you see it now you don't it's a hide-and-go-seek game it's kind of like holding your fist solid in front of a child and you go hey hey look at that look at that and you go what's in there well I got two fists I got two fists huh Huh? And you hold up the fist, these closed clenched fists, and the kid after a while goes, let me see, let me see, let me see, and you hold it behind your back, and they go, come on, come on, come on, and you do this for hours, and then finally you open your hands, there's nothing in them. There's nothing in them. And these games will go on in different ways. They'll ask you questions like, who are you? Mm -hmm. Show me your true, authentic self. Um, they'll ask you questions like, before you were born, who, who where were you? What was you, what, you know, what was your essence? What was your state? And what it really is, is not that you come to some answer. The sound of one hand clapping. You know what the sound of one hand clapping is? You know what it is? It's, your, it's, your, it's the thought of one hand clapping banging against your head. Hmm. It's you stuck in the thought of one hand clapping. That's what the sound of one hand clapping is. And what the idea is that a fool who persists in his folly, or her folly, will soon become wise. It's that you become, if you're going to engage in this absurdity, this making matters worse, this stirring up dust, and then questioning why the, the room is dirty, then then let's really get into it. Let's get let's get evangelical about it. Let's like really go, yes! And and let's really make a mess and let's really and then finally you go, Hold, what what I'm tired of this mess making. This is driving me mad. I can't do it anymore. And you just you just start accepting the moment. And that's that's when the wisdom comes. That's when the connection happens. Mm -hmm. That's when your partner sees you for the first time when you say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna stop reading all this crap I'm gonna stop getting so hung up on what I should be doing I'm just gonna fucking kiss you because I want to I want to fucking kiss you right now and I'm going to spank you because I fucking want to spank you and I want to whatever it is you want to do I want to do it. I'm just gonna do it fuck it all fuck fuck what I'm supposed to do I'm just gonna be there and do it that's when the beauty starts mm -hmm. that's when you when you throw the fucking uh, microscope away and you just dive in the goddamn pond, you know, that's when the magic starts. And so all of it is about just enjoying the gift of life, mm. being with it. Uh, there's no fancy answers. Uh, the doctrines uh, are there to frustrate you because these aren't the answers, my friend. If you're still playing the game, we'll play in, as long as you get, to, as long as you're playing, 
we'll play with you. But there's not, uh, you know, that, that whole notion that we're playing the game, the two fists are up, the kids grabbing at the fists, yeah, all that kind of stuff. absurdity. Yeah, well, sorts. but at the same time, it's also a maker of memories. That that kid can look back and say, like, yeah. oh, I can't believe I played those games for so long. Or, wow, oh. that was so fun when I got to play those games. Oh, well, don't, don't miss my analogy. I'm not saying that playfulness is bad. I'm not saying that that game, I'll be playing that game. I yeah. play that game with my nephews and nieces. I, I don't mind that. It's a fun game. Yeah. It's that we play this game with ourselves and we're unaware of it. Yes. It's the lack of awareness. See, we, we think that there's something above all of this. Everything that you're experiencing right now, when I, like when I look at the color of your hair, and I look at the crest of your eyebrow, in the shape of your face, I genuinely realize that's the point. That's why we're here. This is it. There's nothing more than this. There's nothing more to, us, to strive for. We're in it. The gift is now. This is going on right now. So all the people making messes, all the people trying to stir, what, I want to I wanna become more enlightened. I want to I wanna go higher and higher, and then I'll achieve Buddhahood and, and go. No, no, no. This is it. That's all noise. You're missing the point. Yeah. It's, it's the concept I had. I had a dream once that I spent a lifetime living in piety and self-restraint. And then I died. And in that death, in that moment, I realized I lived a lifetime in ignorance of heaven. This is your heaven. This is the afterlife of another death. This is the birth of a conscious mind. You know, soak it up. Bathe in it. Laugh at yourself. Play the role. Be the, the worker by day. Be the dancer by night. It's all a gift. Mm. Listen to whatever you want to. Be whoever you feel like. It's your gift. So when I see someone, I, I really am seeing a Buddha. I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a God. Yeah. I'm seeing Shiva. And when I look at them, I, I kind of give them that look and I say, I know you. I know you, Shiva. I know you're playing with me. I know you're trying to toy with me to sort of suggest that you don't know you're in charge of all of this, that you're manifesting all of this. I know you. You're cute. And it's a far-out game to be an unconscious God. It's a far-out game. And so when I see people who are gods, we're all gods of sorts, and uh, we have all this power and all this ability to manifest connection, manifest beauty in our lives, and uh, it's a pretty far-out game not to know that. Yeah. The sleeping God, you know, the unconscious God. So when I see that, when I meet people like that, in a way I want to give them a, a blessing or an honor because it's such a, it's a far out game I, I don't have the balls to play. Because I feel like it's such a precious gift, I can't, I can't ignore it. And, and so you that's, can't sleep through that yourself. I can't sleep through it, I can't pretend that I don't know it. I can't sit around and say, I'm going to be depressed and mope and, and wish and hope. Uh, I'm going to do woulda, coulda, shoulda all day. It's a fun game if you like it. Mm. But uh, it's kind of like, there's an old, get, 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 I'll give you one more koan, but there's, there's an old one that I love especially. It says, the, the student sees the mountain, and the, 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 the mid-level uh, monk uh, knows the mountain is not real. And the enlightened see the mountain again. And so the point of that is that when you're, when you're starting out, everything's real, everything's solid, everything's, you know, yeah. the way it is, you know. Someone says, this is all an illusion, this is all a non-reality. Then they, you know, pound a book and go, look, this is real, tell me this isn't real. That's the early stage. The middle stage is when you realize, okay, this is all 
a manifestation. I've created this reality. Everything is filtered through me. I'm the microscope, and without me, this wouldn't exist. I wouldn't see any of this. I wouldn't experience any of this. I take you away, and this is all gone to the one person that's most important to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after that, you say, well, then I can play with it. Then I can, then I can, then you, then you can have the mountain again. Yeah. Then you can be insecure if you want to play with that, you know. And I tell people sometimes they go bathe in it, you know. Have fun with it if you're enjoying it. Yeah. Sometimes insecurity can be an amazing battery for doing like really kicking yourself in the butt and doing amazing stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a moment not too long ago, about two months ago, where I walked into, uh, I walked into Wicked Ground. Mm-hmm. And I've I've lived many lives. Um, most of them, all of them that I remember, uh, my name was JD. Uh, and the lives that I've lived thus far is, you know, started off as a, a you know, confused and, and, uh, and a fairly distracted kid, a little unconscious growing up. And in my middle 20s, I was really depressed and felt extracted, made for really good writing material. So I, I popped out a few books out of that material. So it wasn't worthless. And then I started realizing that I was a manifester and, and, and helped uh, uh, create the Naughty Boys with Dan started manifesting I wanted to see people give this information away yeah. I wanted to see pe- I wanted to be the be the the change in the world that I wanted to see if you will yes and uh, so I became a teacher I, be- I became a video producer because I'm like I want to see videos that show you step by step how to do this and I was like fuck it I'll do it myself yep. I want to see a teacher who's lighthearted and fun and open I'll be that teacher right so then I played that game and that role was fun and, and I'll be honest that that role is shifting for me I'm, I'm moving into other aspects of my creative uh, expression but that said I walked into Wicked Grounds a few weeks ago or like a few months ago actually and um, and I felt insecure um, it's a younger crowd that was there the particular time I came I'm an older guy almost almost 40 and uh, I sat down and had a little orangina and uh, I felt insecure and I felt unsure of myself mm. and preoccupied with my hands and uh, I loved it yeah I hadn't felt that way since I was like 22, and I, and I and I thought I could either stand up and fight this or I could just bathe in it, and I, I had fun with it, and yeah. and I really was giddy with nervousness and unsureness. Well, I, I liked it. It was a fun yeah, game to play. That consciousness. Yeah. If I look at you know, if we look at the notion of say master and slavery or dominance and submission. Yeah. If it's unconscious mastery and slavery, if it's oppressing people without the awareness of that, yeah. If there's no that is that is one experience of that thing mm-hmm. as compared to going in with a conscious mind. And yeah. if I enter into a dominance and submission with a conscious mind, wait, I get to play with it now. Oh yeah. I get to ju- you know, I get to like engage in this fully oh. without there being any nasty residue afterwards. Joy, absolutely. And so that notion of going into that coffee shop and you know, going into a kinky coffee shop in San Francisco and being like, "Oh, I get I get to be a little nervous and to be aware of that. That's a rich gift yeah. that you gave yourself. Yeah, that, that moment that I just I, yeah. I sat with and it was uh, yeah, and that's what life is about. All of it is joyful, even even the parts we. And that's the thing I think there is a lot of beauty and and gift um, past uncomfortable, and mm. we are so obsessed with comfort, and we 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 recoil at the slightest sense of discomfort. Our society's become obsessed with it. Right. And, you know, um, because of that, people aren't aware of the gifts that occur after, frankly, I'll put it matter-of-factly, after a 12-hour workday. Yeah. Or they're not aware of the gifts. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to work crazy hours. You know, please, people <laughs> in podcast land, I'm not saying, go out there and be good slaves. 
<laughs> you know, but I'm just saying that Except you're, unless you're a good slave, in unless, which case, unless you're, thank you for yeah, being a exactly. delightfully good slave. I, I meant more of a, a more of an economic <laughs> slave. I apologize for the mixed metaphor there. What it is is that you know, being knowing that you can accomplish something, knowing that you have the capacity to hang in there, yeah. and to achieve something that other people recoiled from, knowing, for example, if you want to write a novel, you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to you're going to you're going to feel like I'm not. It's not hitting me. It's not clicking. But if you create a ritual, if you create, um, you know, just a daily activity that you just keep going back to it, eventually it will be done. And at the end of it, you'll know that you can do it. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you can do a second and a third and a fourth because you proved yourself, I can do it. The first book I ever wrote, the first full-length book I ever wrote was a novel. And um, it's called Soft Candy. You can find it on, on, on Amazon.com. But that book... It's, it's a great story. It's a dynamic story. It actually talks a little bit about my life while I was working and living in the underground dance communities locally here back in the late 90s. Great parties, great excess. Um, but it was a way of showing myself I could write. And then after that, uh, that's when I engaged Dan to do uh, the Naughty Boys book. That's nice. when I wrote my second novel. That's when we made the second book. That's when I started doing the videos because it was a part of, it was, it was, a, it was me showing that I could do it. Above and beyond everything. Yeah. No, I totally hear you on the notion of daily practice. I remember talking to Whipmaster Bob out of Phoenix, Arizona, hmm. and you know my former girl was asking him, "Well, how did you become an amazing Whipmaster? I mean, you're Whipmaster Bob. Like you're not just Bob. Yeah. You're Whipmaster Bob." <laughs> yeah. Mind you, he gave himself that name. But, well, but go you on. know, whatever. <laughs> if, if he is like, but no, I'm just playing. But he, he's he very said, accomplished. Yeah. yeah, he's an amazing whip yeah. artist. Yeah. And and he said, you know what? Every day, it's I pick day. up my yeah. single tail. Every single day, and even if I just flip it around for five minutes, absolutely, I'm picking it up every single day. And you know what? He couldn't see the difference a month later. He couldn't see the month difference two months later. But a year later, everyone around him knew instantly. What? Wow! You've that's how you do it. A step at a time. There's a great quote by um, George Orwell. It's mm -hmm. one of my favorite quotes. It's from Burmese days, and it's if you ever get a chance to read some of his early essays, Burmese days. Uh, is an excellent array of, of his time working as an imperial policeman in Burma. Uh, pick it up. Uh, anyway, uh, one of his quotes is that we wear masks and our faces grow to fit them. Mm. And he was wearing the mask in this particular essay, Killing an Elephant, um, the mask of confidence, the mask of I know how to do this, the mask of follow me with this elephant gun who's going, he's tasked to kill an elephant. And he faked it and he made it, if you will. Right. And uh, we can we wear masks of insecurity. We mm. wear masks of uh, I cannot. Uh, we wear masks of failure. Right. And our faces grow to fit them. Yeah. And one day, every day, you have the opportunity when you stare back in the mirror and you reacquaint yourself with that memory, that 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 sort of mysterious falsehood that you call your life, <laughs> which is only just a string of memories stuck in the moment that we're experiencing right now. Which is the only moment there is. I digress. But, <laughs> but, uh, but when you do that, when you do that, you have the opportunity to wear a new mask. Yeah. And over time, you will become that thing that you at first pretended yourself to be. So if you want to be a, uh, you know, a really actualized whip master, every day master the whip. Every day work it. Every day practice. Every day do it. And eventually what will at first become awkward will become skillful and flawless. Right. You just got to keep doing well, it. I love the fact that both spiritual practice and sexual practice use the word practice. Oh, yes. It's the practice of putting on that mask. And you know what? Maybe there's going to be a day or seven 
where you know you yeah. put on the old mask. Absolutely. But that's about that notion of profound self-compassion and living with that compassion in our lives mm -hmm. as sexual beings, as spiritual beings, as emotional beings, as just being beings. Absolutely. I think it'd be really, really important. It's, it's, it's more than just a way of connecting with your partner and a way of having sex. It's a way of living. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what it all boils down to. The real, the real connection is with self. And uh, once that happens, it's amazing what falls out of place. Mm. You'll find you'll find the world becomes a very beautiful place. It stops ceases to be inhospitable. Uh, you cease to confront nature. You find yourself a part of it. You don't face facts. <laughs> you sort of you sort of experience the manifestation of ideas, choices, philosophies. It's, it it all becomes a fun, open, expansive experience, and it, it all boils down to what you just said. It's, it's just being here now <laughs> with all that's going on. Yeah. Live. Live. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to hug and eat granolas I in think front we of are. a campfire right now. I think, oh, God, I'm <laughs> kidding. All the sentiment and sentimentality. Well, you know, I figure I'm, I'm having my so fusion true. moment right now, having <laughs> moved from moving to New York yeah. and now being in the moment in San Francisco yeah. and yet always constantly just being wherever I am. That notion that, you know, what was the Baz Luhrmann piece? Live in New, uh, live in New York once, but leave before it makes you hard. <laughs> exactly. Live in Northern California once, leave before it makes you soft. Exactly. I'm living in both right now, and it's a you, beautiful you, thing. It's, it's inspiring what you do. We, we would love to have you as a permanent resident. <laughs> I'm not sure how that has not happened on a... Well, you know. I think New York has slammed down its foot for at least the next five years, and we'll see what happens <laughs> we'll see after what that. Happens. We'll draw, see what happens after that. Draw oh. him over to our side. <laughs> you, will, you will embrace the granola... Oh, I just need to work over my nut intolerance. That would be and you're gonna get a bike. You're gonna uh, get a bicycle, and you gotta hate motorists. You gotta drink a lot of coffee and hang out at Dolores Park. Uh, you gotta teach you how to be a San Franciscan. That's that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, I think with that, we'll call it a day or a night or whatever you're being and doing out there in podcast <laughs> land right now, in the moment. Yeah. So, for those who are listening at home. You've joined us here at Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington in a bonus podcast. For those who are interested in finding JD online, you can find him at twonaughtyboys.com, spelled K-N-O-T-T-Y, boys.com. And you can find me either by looking up Lee Harrington, uh, pretty much anywhere on the internet that isn't about dog walking books or being a judge. Um, she's a lovely person. She's not me, though. Or Passion and soul.com or just passion and soul on FetLife, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, any of those kinds of things. To you, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, thank you for joining us. This has been Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. And until next time, stay cool, have fun, be authentically you, live in the moment, and don't do anything I wouldn't do, which luckily isn't very much. So have a fantastic journey. Lee Harrington is a passionate spiritual and erotic educator, gender explorer, eclectic artist, and published author and editor on human sexuality and spiritual experience. He joins the Erotic Awakening team for a monthly podcast every third Monday of the month. Find out more about Lee at www.passionandsoul.com. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Visit Adventures in Sexuality at adventuresinsexuality.org. And thank you for joining us on Erotic Awakening. 
Please help support our podcast by rating us on iTunes. This helps to let us know what you think about the podcast, as well as making it more visible to others. The Radical Awakening is grateful for the support of The Kink Shop. The Kink Shop provides quality merchandise at affordable prices and features various BDSM implements for lifestylers by lifestylers. Visit them online at www.thekinkshop.com. And Erotic Awakening also appreciates the support of Maui Kink, creators of distinctive and superior toys for the kink and BDSM community. Visit them at MauiKink.com. And don't forget to select that you heard about them via Erotic Awakening on the checkout form. Music heard on Erotic Awakening is provided by Pocket Universe, the music that has been crafted and designed for scenes that range from sensual to dynamic BDSM can be found at www.pocketuniversemusic.com. Bye, Bye Lee. Lee.